Hey everybody, Marcus Tuttle with Buy House, Sell House. Thank you for joining me again. Today I interview my cousin Matt who has sold his house in Austin, Texas, just west of there after six and a half years and made a lifestyle move along with his wife to the Denver, Boulder, Colorado area where he is in the home buying process exactly now. Please enjoy. All right, everybody, welcome to Buy a House, Sell a House. I'm joined by filmmaker extraordinaire and my cousin Matt Skinner, who's made an epic journey from Austin to the Denver area, Denver Boulder area. He decided that's where he wanted to live, and I thought it was fascinating. He's went through the whole gamut of hiring realtors, deciding who was going to represent him, moving across the country, hiring movers, doing all of that. And North American movers. You're still you're still at it. You haven't. Yes. You, you're going to move again within the next six months. Yes, going to move again within the next six months. It's been a process, as you said. You know, still in it, but it's been good. You know, um, native Texan, so I was ready for a uh, change. I really enjoyed North Georgia when I lived there for just shy under a decade. I enjoyed the uh, occasional snows and the temperatures but we're getting it now we're about to get into the sub-zero coming up here soon enough but uh i like it here it's beautiful much different than uh texas obviously unless you're living out in west texas that would be the only thing that i could compare to these gigantic beautiful mountains i see uh, your jobs you're in a similar position as a lot of people your jobs aren't geographic specific you just need an airport so why'd you move? that's correct yeah, that's correct. Just an airport. And Denver Airport is the fifth busiest in America, so you can get a direct flight anywhere pretty much any time. So, yeah, you're from, be... you went to school in Austin, and you're from Austin. Yep. Why'd you leave? Well, you know, um, for a number of reasons. Uh, been there, done that. You know, I moved there the very first time in 1994 uh, when it was, you know, nothing like it is today and you know, we lived out in dripping springs when we moved back my wife and i we moved from atlanta to austin and i think it was 2014 march of 2014 and so 25 26 miles west of austin there, are, there is no direct highway out there you got to take this road to that road to this road so uh besides raising a teenager out there that's really specifically why we moved out there but Besides that, there weren't that many options to do things as far as restaurants. And and now it's just, we feel like we're in bonkers land with all the choices that we have. It's really great. So in Austin, there weren't a lot of restaurants? Well, no, just 25 miles west. When you get mm -hmm. past, uh, you go about eight miles west of uh, Lake Travis area. It, it You know, especially in between Lake Travis and Dripping Springs, although it's blowing up right now. Hamilton Pole Road is where we live. In Ranch Road 12, uh, it is blowing up. But at that specific time, you had to go seven miles in any direction, eight miles in any direction to get to really anything. You know, while that's great uh, for a season, we were ready for a change. And we had that beautiful hill country, which we love very much, and the people. But when you look at these 14ers, it humbles you. You're talking about it, the big mountains in Denver? Yes. Front range. Front range, as they say at the front mm -hmm. range. No well. Well, how hard was it? You moved. How long were you in Austin, in Dripping Springs? Uh, it was like five years. 
Nope, six and a half. I, I just mentioned earlier we moved there in March of 2014. And, of course, you know, you'd ask me why we left. You know? So I'd moved there the very first time in 94, the, the fall of 94. I lived on Riverside for any people out there that uh, know Austin well. East Riverside, right on the other side of 35, where now Oracle is, their gigantic campus, and they're doubling down on that. Uh, but anyway, you know, there had not been a road that I hadn't been down. There hadn't been, you know, although there's new restaurants popping up, there really, you know, I knew every little inch of that city like I did Dallas when I was raised there. And, uh, you know, I was just ready to see, be back in a city where there was an NFL team and uh, an NBA team and an NHL team and a soccer team. I mean, it's just got everything here. And so... Uh, and being sandwiched between Denver and Boulder, it's uh, you know, it's really you get the best of both worlds. So we're so, just we're just learning new roads, new things, new everything. You made a Rewiring lifestyle the move. Yes, yeah. And we took a big old North American van line to get here. You weren't riding in it. You were driving your own trucks. North American was your moving company. And yeah, that was our grandfather's employer. That's correct. That's right. He did uh, oh people. Peepaw Tuttle, mm-hmm. for you listeners out there, he drove all across this country. Let's not get excited about the listeners. <laughs> well, why not? Yeah. Okay. Well, I think it's fascinating. How traumatic was the move? How do you uh, have, well, we I mean, moved during COVID, so you know it, it just depends on which way the news cycle's going, or the hospitals are filling up at that time. But we uh, we drove from Dripping Springs to oh, where did we? Amarillo. Spent the night there and then finished it up the next day in the middle of October. I wanted to make sure we got to Denver before, you know, the winter hit. I didn't know what COVID was going to do at that time. Well, I'm talking about selling your house. So you'd been in your house. You bought a new house in Dripping Springs. Mm -hmm. And then you decided to sell that and you had to choose a realtor. So there were a bunch of people in line. The real estate industry is pretty competitive. How'd you choose your realtor? Well, it's a great question. I, I, I'm probably a, a realtor's worst nightmare. You'll have to check with our current one. But uh, the realtor that we sold our house with in Dripping Springs actually used to live in our particular neighborhood. And I believe she ran the Parks and Lakes uh, recreation area. She kind of headed that up. and so She was pretty visible. Pretty visible, knew the area, knew how to sell it. There was no HOA in that neighborhood, so she knew how to go in. And she got it done. I mean, I believe her uh, price-to-sell ratio was over 98% at the time, uh, which I believe is now over 100% because Austin is red hot. So oh, were you satisfied today. with the experience? Uh, yeah, but, you know, like, as I said, I'm pretty hardcore. When a realtor tells me something, I mean, I, I write it down on a piece of paper or on my brain, and I hold them accountable for it. And I don't do this, I'll tell you something and never do it, sweep it under the rug, we'll talk about it later, it never happens. I don't I don't prescribe to that stuff. I want complete accountability, uh, especially in a transition like this. And so um, I am satisfied and was satisfied with our realtor. There were a few slip-ups where I had to ask a few questions repeatedly to get answers, uh, and I, I she undervalued our property. And I valued it correctly and actually sold the property we bought next door uh, without her being involved. So a lot. No you had an extra lot. I did, yeah. And you had yeah. some high-pressure people try to pressure you into a listing, right? They 
came yeah. talking about having buyers. Yeah, I had uh, I had a woman come in. Well, not to be gender specific, I had a realtor come in, and you know, really, uh, I thought that she was going to get the job done because I saw the company she had worked for got a, a house sold up the street from us. And when we sold our house, it was shortly after. Elon Musk decided to build his giga plant and build his trucks out just uh, east of the Austin airport. And um, she came in there and, and just really undervalued our house, said what she thought the land and the house would be worth. And at that, at her price, we would have made no extra dough off the top of it. And so she really tried to say she had buyers involved and on a Sunday afternoon, Tried to get me all up to take pictures of the kitchen and inside the house because she had a possible buyer. But and then she tried to say, "Oh, I can't work for you anymore until you sign the contract." And it was just a big hokey mess. Do you remember how by the number value, how much she devalued it? Like by over, how much? Twenty oh, oh, six. Well over six digits. Really? Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, and you know that made me realize something right there is that it was not. There was no care. That it was just a numbers game for her. She just was like psh, 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 trying to get high volume, move it, move it, move it, move it, and not. And you know, and that's when I went with. And he thought uh, she was playing mind games with you, saying what she yeah, had, I and I couldn't too. work for you. And I called her out. And she didn't. You know, she was a little like, gassed by that because she knew I was right in calling her out. You think you she want to call her and tell her what you got for the house? No, she'll see if she's curious. Yeah. But I did. And I don't often do this, but I did check on Zillow today. And our house value, according to Zillow, since we sold it in October, has already gone up twenty-five grand in value. Hmm. And uh, you know, it's, that's that's about as easy money as you can get out there. That's a hot I market. Told, I told the people that uh, that bought our house. I said this is a better deal than the stock market. You know, and it really is. So, but we had fun. You know, we loved it deer in our backyard all the time coyotes you know we had invisible fence on a half acre of it we had a little over an acre canyons living that ranch life living that ranch life yeah watching sunsets it's good stuff you know driving to the breweries and distilleries out there there's a lot to love but you know come october you know you're still sizzling Mm -hmm. and uh, one of the things laura and i'm doing she laura my wife is an avid skier back in the, uh, the northeast where she grew up in the Pittsburgh area would travel to certain mountains out in those regions so here she can get on a slope and do it so I'm really training myself to enjoy winter sports and you got a mountain bike and a mountain bike which I love the trails around here are I mean you can really get going fast and, and uh, you better have your helmet on and attached fast because that wind will blow it right off if you're going 60 miles an hour or so down the hill 60 miles an hour feeling like you know you're you know some marvel character out of a movie it's fun it's a lot of fun oh why denver uh denver just because it was a you know you got the fifth busiest airport in the country okay so that means you can fly anywhere in the nation uh or the world rather direct uh you've got a, a booming economy here uh um just to, my dad lives in Wichita, so I can hop in the truck and just glide down the mountain to Wichita. I don't have to drive through uh, Texas. You know, well, yeah, you know, but Texas Interstate 35 is 
always under construction. And when you get through Temple, Waco, Dallas, Oklahoma City, and Denton, if you're going through that way, which you have to, uh, it, it can be a mess. And so, um, although I haven't driven yet to, you know, we've got COVID. My dad got his first shot yesterday. The next one coming up real soon. As soon as all that's good, I'm going to go down and visit him. So mm-hmm. uh, there was there were a lot of reasons why we moved here. And uh, not le- last but not least, one of those reasons, my wife has several first cousins here. Right, and family they're connection. Children, yeah. And so it's like built-in family. Good stuff. Good stuff. So you got a hotshot realtor up there that's helping you through this process. So I think you've been there three months. October, November, December, January, February, four. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, November, December, January, yeah, four. Yeah, I found her on uh, social media. I, I did a has, hashtag search for the city and the area, and uh, her content came up. So I really. I really went, you know, the 21st century uh, way and went through hashtags. And she's been great. You know, it's a mother-daughter team who work with a, a real estate firm here. And she's originally from Florida. Mother is originally from Missouri. Uh, so they're just really wonderful, down-to-earth people that work. She works her ass off. And one thing that she has been this entire time is she's just been forthright. And, and, and forthcoming in all information, radar, uh, you know, there's areas around here, uh, Denver, that built nuclear uh, triggers for plutonium nuclear weapons. And so she, you know, she tells you where that plant is. And mm-hmm. There's a plant on the east of Denver that uh, I believe is a heavy, heavy chemical, industrial uh, grade chemical weapons plant. And so they talked about it. anyway. So if you know if you're moving to Denver, check all that stuff out. This place was way out in the middle of nowhere 50 years ago. So the U.S. government could come out here and just about do anything they wanted. So yeah, there's strategic bases on the northeast side of town as well that were being converted now to, I guess, developments. So that all that all that stretched through what's the interstate through there that just 25. connects Aurora, 35. Uh, 25, 25 north and south. And the, the cross one, the one that... 70. 70. Yeah. Yep. I drove <laughs> 70 west the other day in, in uh, this area called Lookout Mountain. It's just, it's considered golden. This beautiful, 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 gorgeous area. I mean, just the views of Denver from there are breathtaking. But again, it had the same feel of being out in Dripping Springs where, as a matter of fact, I asked the I asked the, um, the postman who I saw out there, I said, how far do you have to get to a grocery store here? He laughed at me. He's like, man, you got to go back down the interstate and you got to go back up this county road, get back to Golden proper, and that's the nearest grocery store. And we just don't want that anymore. Mm-hmm. We're want, we like convenience. Yep. So your experience in price increases on a daily and weekly basis there too a bunch of competition on the houses that you're looking at you're getting iced out of like multiple offers it's just what's going on up there it's it's competitive uh unlike anything i've ever seen you know i mean i can only imagine this is probably what you know 
California was like when that rush hit. And uh, so, yeah, things have just gone up dramatically in price as each month passes. It's it's one of those things where you almost kind of have uh, regret in certain situations where you're like, ah, I wish I would have got that one or I wish I would have got that one. But you pass on it at the time because it's not checking all your boxes. But you soon start to realize around here that there's really so very little. And with COVID, and people have squeezed the the desire for people all around the country to live here has just made it so competitive. It's cash offers. There's a company out here that, you know, helps you just make cash offers. It's, and we're not talking so, about 300, 400,000. We're talking about six, seven, eight, nine and more. I mean, it's nothing I mean, to have a million dollar house. Nothing. I mean, that's, there's, there's houses around here that are cookie cutter that the guy who we rent from right now has said that, a couple of years ago, things would stop around 700, 650, 750, somewhere around there. And that's, he said it just, after that, the market just would flatten out. Nothing would be purchased. Now, homes are on the market for 950, and they'll go for a million plus, 23,000. So you'll see 75. Uh, increases just in, in the bidding war afterwards. All cash offers, two, three, four, five, all cash offers. It's just crazy. Yeah. Uh, people buy a house, start renovating it, and then be like, you know what? I don't need to put any more money in this. Stop the renovation and then still go sell it for, you know, six digits more than they Yeah, it's a it kind of a, what do you call a confluence of events with COVID causing people to kind of stay put and not sell and just see what's going to happen with values. And then you have transition people moving out of urban areas or a few select cities. They're just uh, depopulating a little bit. Talking, uh, of course, New York, San Francisco, and that low interest rates and transitions fueling demand. And then people lack of inventory is just creating like a perfect storm of value increases. Yeah, let me ask you a question. Do you think this is going to, I mean, when does this madness stop? Well, there's kind of shadow inventory, like there's going to be mortgage mortgages that are coming due after this period of deferment. And that's the big question is what's going to happen. It's certainly going to loosen up some inventory. And all the info pieces that I'm paying attention to are just saying these next few years, definitely not the crazy appreciation as what has been. However, I think there's a big unknown who's not going to be able to pay their mortgage and what areas are those going to be in. I think that the non blue collar type jobs are more subject to being in default just because those are the kind of jobs that require manual labor and, and have been on the bubble, uh, I guess is how I would say it. And, the higher executive type positions, those people have been able to continue to work and perhaps had more savings. So I guess the competition would continue at the higher end. Maybe there might be some loosening of inventory in certain areas in the, I guess, median range prices. So it's unknown. It really is unknown, but definitely not the kind of appreciation. Nobody's forecasting a, a Value's falling off a cliff, but who can forecast that? You just never know what the world events are going to bring. Yeah, and I, I kind of feel like this area 
and even Austin, even more so now, it, it's, it always weathers the storm the best. The last one in the recession and the first one out. Well, since this country's incepted, there's been a general price increase. I think I've heard the number three or five percent, just year over year increases in the value, of course. Uh, there's all kind of economic forces involved. I don't pretend to understand all of them, but there's a housing need and our population is growing. It's interesting what the Internet's going to do is just allow people who don't have to have an airport to be able to go into prices, the areas that the prices aren't so steep and be able to earn, earn an income just through the connectivity. Yeah. You know, I, like what, what's the next place? You know, I, I have yet to go to Cheyenne, Wyoming. I want to go check that out. I love Fort Collins. Fort Collins, beautiful, big, wide streets. You've been there clean, uh, just, just, uh, beautiful, you know, great university shops, downtown, you know, all those farm-to-market little restaurants that it's really uh, spectacular. Yeah, I think things will be driven more lifestyle in the future, more lifestyle moves. I agree with that, 100%. What's interesting is a bunch of creatives are moving to Austin. There's been a whole exodus. I suspect there's tax advantages, but that's not the only state with tax advantages. Places like Tennessee and Florida offer uh, no state income tax or some advantages to massaging their tax tax liability tax liabilities and tax burdens but yeah, Austin, tax there's a bunch of creatives a bunch of um podcasters that are moving to austin comedians uh, yeah this they kind of have my ear so they're well, i think dave Chappelle. you know i know he just recently got covid but he i think he was at uh you know he's recovered since but um i think he was at Stubbs last night i saw some some pictures Des Bryant, former Dallas Cowboy, now uh, Baltimore Raven, was hanging out with Dave Chappelle, I believe, from the walls, because they're those limestone, old limestone walls that are very recognizable. But yeah, you're right. Uh, a lot of creatives moving to Austin, Texas. I mean, it, it, it's hot, already hot, had a film scene, been. right? Great film scene, great indie film scene. I mean, you got South by Southwest and Austin Film Festival, which is a screenwriters festival. It's really a hotbed for uh, all that, you know. And then you have the University of Texas, you know, Matthew McConaughey moved back. Now he's the Minister of Culture and he's teaching film classes. And he's really, uh, you know, he's also an investor in that new MLS, uh, Major League Soccer team. So uh, Austin is hot as it has ever been. And that's probably why I got out of there. Mm-hmm. You know, I've always kind of tried to swim across, uh, against the stream, I think. So, you know. So yeah. South, South by Southwest has been an economic driver over the last 20 years. And then there's the forums and meetings that go on at, at a conference. And then there's also just the conference behind the conference. And my question is, do you think that technology will be able to bridge that gap of, you know, like a barroom meeting or dinners to oh. just create that gap? People go to South by Southwest to connect more than just hear information. Well, it, it's interesting you say that. At the end of the day, in my industry, a product has to be made, a film has to be made. Whether, uh, you know, I think podcasting might be a little different. You can stay away from, from each other and, and do things like that. But from a creative standpoint of creating content and having to have a group of people together, I, I think that that will 
never uh, stop. But I think that having these production meetings via Zoom or Google, that just enhances your ability to communicate um, more thoroughly uh, in post-production or pre-production or even during production. But where it's different and COVID has changed the game is everybody has had to be more conscious of wearing masks. You stay sanitized. And and so what the thought was is that it would be able to shorten the work days. But I, um, I have what I uh, understand is that people are working 18 hour days uh, during COVID. It's just because things are taking longer. But that, that's got to change. You know, it's unsustainable. People get sick that way when they're working 18 hours a day and they have to turn around and do it again the next day. So, uh, again, my industry, people will have to get together. Zoom and, and Google and all those types of meetings will only enhance the, the product uh, through the process. But, um, you know, you don't I, have to be well, more intentional about your connection. I mean, you're not going to meet anybody at a restaurant, just happens. Yeah, you got to be intentional. I think intentionality in any industry is beneficial to the person that, that uh, uses that intentionality. The, the, the people that I have found to be the most successful are the most intentional and they return emails or text messages like that. Mm-hmm. Very few of them, but the ones that do, they're, they're unmistakable. All right. Well, what's, what was the content of your realtors? You saw her speaking of intention, you sought her out and you saw her content. What about her content was interesting? Well, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't really get too much into her content. I found her through, uh, social media via hashtags. And then Is she, that Instagram? And con- yes. And then I contacted her and, and that's, and it just evolved from there. You know, I met, I flew up to, uh, to Denver, I did two scouting reports, so to speak. And the first time I met with her and her mother and it, we just hit it off and she's just been so transparent and hardworking, put in more miles than you can imagine mm-hmm. and, and been forthright, forthcoming with information. And she's just been really good. So um, I didn't really look at her content except for the initial meeting because meeting her and her mother and what that relationship has been, I've never had any reason to go back and look at her social media because that personal interaction has been so fantastic that, you know, it's, it's, uh, she's updates all the time. I get MLS stuff whenever anything pops up, even no things don't pop up that often They're popping up more, but so she's great. I don't look too much at her social media, but that's definitely how I got in contact. Mm-hmm. And you've got experience with the realtors in Atlanta, dripping Springs, and now here. And you'd yeah. say that her quality, the quality of her services, some of the highest. Yeah, the highest uh-huh. by far. You know, because she's just doing everything. She's searching for property and providing background details for areas like yeah. ecology concerns. Yeah, no, she does all that, and then has uh, structural reports, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So she's been. She's, she's just been focused really in on your needs. Correct. And you're right. not just another a number. Yeah. You know, I've had, I've worked with uh, real estate people that are friends of people I went with to college with. And they'll, they'll tell them where you want to live and they'll put out an MLS search. And then, you know, over time, the collective reasoning will shift that area to another route. And they'll never go in and change the MLS. And you'll still be getting 
homes from zip codes two, you know, two zip codes away. That I just don't prescribe to that stuff. Yeah, it's interesting. It's how, detail. Just because somebody puts their message out the loudest, it doesn't mean they are the best. And there's kind of no baseline. I mean, what do you have? A Zillow review or a Google review or a Yelp review to see if somebody complained? It's an interesting part. It, it's it's changing. Technology is coming to real estate services. Well, it's gonna it's going to make everything more transparent. People more transparent. And like this last real estate agent that we used, uh, she was contacting us to say, "Hey, you know, you guys, make sure you um, give me a or please give me a." Uh, I don't know. I'm a little bit different in this regard. What a review, review Yelp review, this review, that review. It's like if I want to give you a review, I'll give you a review. Don't ask me to give you a review. Mm-hmm. What you do leading up to that point should warrant me wanting to give you a review, but don't go and and do a job and, you know, undervalue the house a little bit and tell me this a little bit. I'm going to have drone footage here and that never happened. Don't, don't say things, three, four things to the process. Let those slip and expect me to go give you a rave review. I just don't work that way. My wife is a little easier in that regard, but, you know, working in the industry that I do, I'm always constantly learning. You're always constantly building but everybody's watching every frame, every damn thing is under scrutiny. And so I sometimes uh, expect the same out of uh, the services I apply for or receive out there through paying the good old greenback for. Mm-hmm. Well, social proof is, is, is how many people make decisions why personal referrals are, nice and a huge way so yeah well i will be interested to find out how your search goes you guys have approached a builder or and you're continuing you have a tentative agreement but you're still continuing to look that's correct yeah he uh, we have a builder that uh been building homes here since the uh early 70s and uh you know, we'll just see. He's, he, he builds little communities throughout here. This one, I think, has made, maybe 30 homes in it. He built another one down the street that's got like 70 homes in it. There's two little lakes uh, close by where the geese and ducks and everything else come to fly by, owls. Uh, so it's strategically in a great area, and, and uh, the house prices are shooting up so high that between now and a couple of months when this house foundation is poured the price of lumber can go up and if this 1.9 trillion dollar package is released everything's going to go up so it's a cat and mouse game what's going to happen there stimulus package stimulus package more money's out there Uh and then interest rates are low people have more money to spend money and then banks will have more money to loan money and then everything's just going to go and eventually when interest rates and inflation kicks in and the government wants that money back and the squeeze is on. Any idea what happens then? Time frame? Well, interest rates will go up, and I believe there'll be a lot less cash going around. You know, I mean, I don't when is that going to happen, do you think? It's going to be a while. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a while. Because, you know, you think about that first economic recession that we went through in 2008, you know, and all the money that they printed. I think it was $80 billion a month they were throwing into the banks. Interest rates went so low. I mean, we hadn't even finished spending all that money. And if we get this $1.9 trillion package, that'll mean five 
trillion dollars will have been pumped into this economy in the last one year. You know, and I, and I don't like using this word because everybody uses this word unprecedented. You know, so I don't know when will that money will be uh, evaporated, spent, sent out of the country. Who knows? But it'll probably be decades. They've done a good job printing it. They just have to keep convincing people that it has value. And the, but they're going to want it back. Yeah. They're going to get it back. So a bunch of people playing the crypto game, right? Yeah. Because see that. you can't devalue it the same. It's technically not devaluable the same way you can by flooding the market with I mean, money. Yeah, I mean, that's what they say, right? You know, um, but I don't study that enough. I mean, obviously, I'm a lot of, very late in the game. It's February 11th, 2021. You know, Elon Musk and Tesla buys 1.5 billion the other day. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's Ethereum is is uh, you know well into 17, 15, 1800 grand, or excuse me, 18 thousand dollars. So, you know, but I don't I don't know the correlation between Bitcoin and the U.S. dollar. Would that how do they? fluctuate together or separately I, I haven't analyzed those charts and graphs so. these these cryptocurrencies just have to get relevant stick around longer and have more people accept it for it to just become a part of how we do things so it's interesting to see who starts taking it so yeah I mean, it seems to be um, you know widely accepted and, and just more and more and more and more I think Coinstar Except Bitcoin, you know, Coinstar, Coinstar, which owned Redbox. So it is very much so mainstream. And based. governments don't like it because it's not easily regulatable. Correct. But, uh, yep, technology's brought a whole Pandora's box to how we live and, and hopefully get away from such government reliance. Yeah, well, you know, we'll, we'll see about that, but I'm... Probably brush over that topic. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I know you got to go. Thanks for opening yourself up to a conversation. Hey, my pleasure. Thank you for you know everything, and I'll keep you posted on this. This. Uh, yeah, maybe we'll check back in. Yeah, let's definitely have a, a follow up combo. We can add to this once we get settled. It'll be mm -hmm. interesting to see where we end up. All right. Don't hang up. I'm gonna talk to you in a second. Let's sign off for now. Signing off. Okay. Thank you, All right. That wraps it up. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any real estate needs, visit simplifiedhomesales.com where you can find assets to search for houses nationwide. You can apply for a loan and have banks compete for your business. You can turn utilities on free with a simple application. I've got some assets hopefully to facilitate any kind of real estate needs you have. And you can contact me through the website if you wish. And thank you again for listening to this episode of Buy a House, Sell a House.